Now you're part of the circus. How how does it feel to like actually run away and join the circus? <laughs> uh, it was a very slow process, um, and it, it kind of took me by surprise because I I started in dance, so I grew up doing a lot of dance growing up, uh, you know, throughout my life, and then decided I wanted to pursue dance in college, and. Uh, while I was in college, I had multiple people tell me like, oh, you'd be a really good flyer or, oh, you should try aerial silks. And I was like, what, what are those? Cause I'm, I'm from Arkansas and we, I had no idea that any of those things ever existed. Um, and, uh, sure enough, I went to this one dance festival and they offered aerial silks and, uh, an acro class and I tried it. And then next thing you know, I graduated college and then I was learning how to teach aerial silks. And then I went to circus school and then I worked at a resort and yeah, it's kind of been like a slow process. And now I just look down at like my life and I'm like, wow, I, I literally ran away with the circus. <laughs> literally. Yeah. And you're a cat person too. That's funny. Yeah. I love cats and I just adopted my second kitty cat uh, and he actually... He was foster trained or he was he was in foster care with a friend of mine who trains cats uh, for the cat circus. So I've been keeping his training going uh, ever since I got him in August. Yeah. What got you into drag? I, I know you have a special place in your heart for it. Oh, yeah. I love drag. Uh, and I, I've. Ever since I saw my first drag show, like, I'm just so inspired by drag queens. And then I learned that drag kings are a thing. And I have been slowly just trying a little bit more drag here and there and trying to do yeah. a lot of the, like, gender bending, you know, things that will yeah. uh, come into my art as well. You know, it's just, it's. It's a giant smorgasbord after a little while. I'm just like, oh, I want to do all this. I want to do all this. I want to do all this. And then I'm going to try to cram it into one thing. Yeah, like for Halloween, me and my friends, we plan to uh, actually do a gender bender Halloween. So the girls are going to be guys and the guys are going to be girls. And the deal is whoever breaks character has to take a shot. <laughs> Of Everclear, so it's gotta be fun. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to S4? I have not been to S4. I've been to JR's and I, I've performed at Sue Ellen's a couple of times, but I've, I've yet to go to S4. I'm so disappointed in you. The Rose Room is where what it's all about. They have a huge drag community there. And that's what I've heard, you know, and I, I've actually only lived in Dallas for like two years now, and um, like right when I moved here, uh, I started getting more and more gigs. And so now I, I always hate it. Cause like, you know, the weekends is when me and all of my performer friends are working and, uh, you know, I teach classes on the weeknights, so it's like anytime all the drag shows are going on, I'm like, well, I'm stuck at work. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you only been here for two years, so I guess I'll give you a pass, but I've never been to, uh, Sue Ellen's. You know, and, and, and that's and that's sad because I really am a lesbian myself. I should probably have been. Uh, how is Sue Lesbian? Do they have a stage there? They don't have a stage, but the way they do it, so they have a, or they, you know, in the BC times, the before COVID times, um, 
they <laughs> would do a Tuesday tease and it was a free show. It was all like queer, queerlesque and um, they just opened up their dance floor to be the stage and they have some seats kind of around the like backside of the dance floor seats and tables and then they have standing room around the outside of the of the dance floor but yeah you just you take over their dance floor for your three to five minute act and it's it's a really good time yeah have you ever been to the texas renaissance fair i am actually performing there right now Oh, nice. Is, is is it around, actually, like, during COVID time? Yeah, so they, it's been kind of a, a back and forth all year. So we got, me and my friend Tifa and Sophie got approached to make this show for the TRF, Texas Renaissance Festival, in February. And so we we were like, okay, yeah, cool, we can totally make this. And then the lockdown happened, and we had a meeting with the, the guy who was building our, our, the new bar that we were going to perform our show in. Um, and we kind of all thought, you know, maybe COVID would be kind of an afterthought by the time fair opened up and, Oh, the joke was on us. Um, so we are working through fair as safely as we possibly can. Like we don't, we don't really go and interact with the audience. We don't really go out into fair. We do our show. Um, Sometimes we'll walk through the bar to the balcony so we can stand outside and heckle people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we, you know, we've done really everything we can to make sure that everybody is is safe. And you know, thankfully, uh, TRF has now started offering free COVID testing, so all the performers and staff workers can go and get tested to make sure that they are healthy and keeping the, the place healthy. Yeah, I've been getting tested three times a week. It is not Oh, my much. goodness. Yeah, but I actually, you know, I've been tested so much and I have so many things stuck up my nose. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Now, <laughs> you, know? you get used to it. Now, I'm looking at this Wormwood Public House. What is that? The Wormwood Public House. That is the brand new bar that they built at Fair for this year. Uh, and that's where we're performing our show. Um, our show is called The Green Hour, and it's performed 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Saturday, and then just at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Um, I I am the green fairy in the show. It's, since the Wormwood Public House is an absinthe bar, um, we've got absinthe tastings. We'll do tequila tastings. And then the show is about the history of absinthe, and it's it's really more of like a parody of the history on absinthe. It's really ridiculous my friend tifa wrote it and she and i kind of got together to start storyboarding and planning for this and we were just like this is going to be so stupid it's so ridiculous <laughs> yeah but in a good way it's a really know? good show yeah like it i say stupid in the fact that like we've performed it like eight times at the by now and we're all still backstage laughing at what they're saying on stage you know yeah, and it's funny because um, I actually now I want to ask you this: Is it real absinthe, imported absinthe, or is it like the store bought that you can get here? It is the Pernofi absinthe, um, and as far as I'm concerned, that is the 
the real absinthe. I, I want to say that even though like when we did our show research and we were looking it up, you know, a lot of the way that real absinthe was made was kind of like, you know, at home back in way back in the day. Um, so it's really hard to get real true absinthe here. Well, well, well it's funny you say that because it's actually not. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there, there was a law passed and uh, the law says even though things are illegal to buy on American soil, they're not illegal to purchase overseas. There's a, there's a little, because I'm part of a, a huge apple community. Yeah. I like totally fangirled out when I found out you know what that was and uh, I haven't been on there for a minute but I will look at the website and send it to you and basically of course it'll cost you like an arm and a leg because of the shipping cost and like the fees and whatnot. but it's you can import real absinthe and they have absinthe from everywhere to like I think your cheapest bottle is going to be $40 without the uh, shipping costs. So it'll probably add to like like 60 or something. But they have like original, original absinthe that's like a thousand bucks. So they have very, the price range varies and they are reviewed. They give you the taste. So, you know, some absinthe are sweeter than others. And it's really, really good. I had a 90s party, and I had absinthe there. Uh, I had all strong drinks because I wanted to make sure people had fun. And uh, I never experienced anything like absinthe. Like, I blacked out. Like, my blackouts were, like, on and off. Like, I blacked out. Then I was up again trying to do something. Blacked out again. (laughs) But, but yeah, I can send you the link to that website if you want. Yeah, please do. Because, you know, as far as what I'm concerned, you know, the Pernod fee is, like, the best selling in America. And that's, we we have some of that to be served in the bar. I I will say this. Pernod, it's the... uh, it's the closest thing mm-hmm. that America will allow to, to uh, be sold as It's not like authentic, but it is the closest in America. Yeah, and you know the 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 realest absinthe I've ever had was actually at Burning Man. Funny enough, mm. in like 20, 2012, when I went to Burning Man, I had got there. It was one o'clock in the morning I'd sat on the bus to get in there for like 12 hours and as soon as I just like unloaded my shit at camp and went right into the bar our camp bar I you know looked at the bartender and I was like yeah I'd like a beer and then there was a guy behind me he's like you look new here what are you doing and I was like yeah I just got here and you know I was just like yeah we just sat on the bus etc cetera, etc cetera. and he's like you want some absinthe? And so I was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he, he is from Ireland. So I was like, okay, I, I believe it's, gonna be- I trust you. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's going to be the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Now when it comes to burning man, I've always wanted to go. Never been. How is it? It's amazing. And I'll tell you right now, when you go throw all of your expectations out the window don't don't plan your week out because most of the time when you get there, your planning is just gonna go away anyway. Because like there there's like this like 
burner attention span you get when you're there. As soon as you start like going and rolling around on the open playa, you're just like, oh, what's that? It's a shiny thing. I'm going to go and check it out and go and check out another thing and another thing and another thing. And suddenly the day is gone and you're like, well, I didn't make it to that one thing I wanted to go to. And then, you know, maybe sometimes you'll try to make it out to the thing you wanted to go to. And it's not even happening because those people are out looking at the shiny things. <laughs> right. Um, now, another thing I wanted to address is you're a burlesque uh, dancer. I've always been obsessed with like old school burlesque and old school cabaret. I find the culture very, very amusing, um, especially since there's not a lot of places or that I, I know of in Dallas. Do you know of any? Um, yeah, there, you know, I've, I've been a part of the uh, queer community since I got here. And, uh, you know, there's Sue Ellen's, the Tuesday Tees, and that's a burlesque show. I know for a little while they were doing like a Saturday night show once a, once a month as well. Um, uh, Viva's is the burlesque like the premier burlesque venue here in dallas and they you know they also have they get booked out for other things like private parties and whatnot but the the main reason that vivas is open is because they do burlesque shows twice a month and then um let's see there have been some other venues around town that have hosted burlesque like i think the house of blues still does it three links still does it the nines um and of course, who knows what they're doing right now, but I, I would assume that a lot of these these smaller bars and smaller venues that once they're able to safely have a show, they will. Yeah. yeah. Now, you said you moved to make films. What does that mean? Uh, me, as an artist, the, this is like coming from my deep, dark art heart, is I really believe that when you're watching a performance that it should make you feel something just how if you would look at a painting or, or someone's uh, visual art that it would make you like feel something, or, you know, you would listen to an art historian talk about like, well, this is why they put this in that painting. This is why this is so shocking, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when you're watching a live performance, all of that is very ephemeral. So it's fleeting and, you know, you get that like five minute roller coaster ride of emotions when you're watching someone perform. And I really want to be that. And I strive to do that whenever I'm creating. It's just like, well, if this song makes me feel a certain way, I want to be able to emote that through what I'm doing for an audience member to then also feel a certain way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. And might I add, you have the perfect body. I'm jealous. <laughs> what do you, how do you, how do you work out? Like, what's your work? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so my, you know, the aerial arts that I, I do, I, I do aerial silks, rope, hammock, and straps. And, you know, all of those are a workout in itself because you've got to be able to do a pull up. You have to climb, you have to, invert and it's really kind of its own form of gymnastics um because it's just body weight conditioning you're using your own body weight to to lift yourself up and to 
turn and twist and you know it it's it's a really wonderful way to work out. I used to lift a lot of weights and I was a power lifter for a long time. And, you know, I did dance for a long time growing up as well. So I feel like all of this is just kind of compounded into the strength house that I am today. Yeah. So when you said you're a dancer, did you mean you're less burlesque dancer or only you're just a dancer dancer? I mean, when I, when I was growing up, I was doing everything from like ballet to modern jazz and hip hop. And, um, you know, nowadays that's like turned into burlesque, but I, I can use all of those different genres of dance that I have in my back pocket to, to make a, a burlesque act, you know? So it's just, they all kind of come out. Um, depending would, on the would burlesque be your favorite holiday? I don't know. Cause it, it's, uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm more in the like neo burlesque category and that kind of, there's like classic burlesque and then there's neo burlesque. What's the difference? Classic burlesque is your bump and grind, your glove peels, your stocking peels, your boas, your fans. That's like what you would envision when someone says burlesque and you, you immediately think like Dita Von Teese, right? Yeah. Um, the neo burlesque, that's where all the weird shit comes out. And that's where like I fall because I have all of these varieties of things that I can do. So I just try to bring them all together and uh, put them out onto stage. Uh, like for instance, me and my friend Tifa, who she and I are doing the, the Wormwood public house, the green hour with together. Um, we, when we got started, doing burlesque well really when I got started doing burlesque she had been in burlesque for a little while beforehand she approached me one day and she's like you can say no but please don't be offended would you be my oompa loompa for the show coming up and I said yes because you know she is also like six feet tall she's she's a head and some over me because I'm I'm four foot ten and um we made a Willy Wonka Oompa Loompa duo act where she's Willy Wonka on the ground and I'm an Oompa Loompa. She makes me drink fizzy lifting drink and then I go up in aerial silk and she does her thing on the ground. Um, and that that's kind of our claim to fame. Like we went to the burlesque hall of fame with that piece and it's so silly. <laughs> it's so much fun to perform with that act with her. Yeah, it sounds fun. I wish I was there to see yeah. it. Next time you do it, you're going to have to I can totally send you a video of it. We haven't performed it in maybe like two years, I think. Yeah, please do. Please do. And what would you say your favorite style of band? Because I know my top three, I love ballroom, I love pop and hip-hop. Those are like my top three. Any room would do. Uh, I, I, I've literally every style of dance for African. I'm, I've been searching for it's that teaches African dance because that's something on my list I've never done. But I think some that there's some center that does it. Yeah, I think I want to say here in town there is someone that teaches African dance, and I, I love African dance. When I was actually at that festival, I was I mentioned earlier uh, in college. 
they had an African dance course and I took it and it was just the most invigorating fun I've ever had. And not only was it just amazing to do the dancing, it was really fun and neat to learn the history and meanings behind the dances as well. And, and and the funny thing about African dance is every other dance is in African dance. Like that's where the foundation. I I like to call African dance the math of dance and ballet the science. Yeah, I definitely believe that. That's a that's a really cool way to look at it. Um, yeah, hip hip hop would definitely be PE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I do enjoy hip hop because I my. My what my body really gravitates toward is more of like the release technique style of modern dancing. And uh, it's really easy for me to be like soft and sharp and to go and back and forth in between the two. But still, sometimes hip hop like really rocks me. And so I really enjoy the challenge that hip hop brings me Um, because while like softness and sharpness is natural for me in in like the release technique modern style it's not so natural to me in hip-hop but you are you can be doing the same like softness or sharp moves in the in hip-hop and I'm like the the principles are both the similar similar between the two but you know they are like so different for for my to understand um yeah but yeah the I would definitely say like the modern styles are what my body gravitates towards. And then I also really enjoy uh, whacking. <laughs> whacking is so much fun. What's whacking? Uh, whacking is a style. I would, I would say it's probably like a genre in the hip hop realm. Um, and it was originated in gay clubs, like way back in the seventies or eighties. Uh, and it's just mm-hmm. the motion with the hand. So it literally, you think about whacking, it's almost like you're whacking someone in the face with your, with just your hand or your wrist. But is that what whacking is? I thought that was voguing. It, it gets mixed up with voguing quite a bit and they are, they go so well together. Yeah. C- Cause I'm a huge fan of like pose and, uh, pl- and, uh, plus my teacher, she taught us about like the gay ballroom scene. I had no idea house music was originally there. It's like I, you know, I'm an ally, 100%. Love gay culture. I find it funny how whenever a pop star gets huge, they have a gay following because they the girls know what's up. You know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like Lady Gaga, Adele, Beyonce, Rihanna. You know, they all have a huge LGBTQ following. Yes. Yeah. And I find it funny how they're able to, like, keep their stuff, too. Like, most things have been appropriated, but they're the only culture that when you use gay slang or when you vogue or when you listen to house music, like, you know it's theirs. You know where it comes from. Yeah, exactly. And it's so crazy. I was was having a conversation with someone the other day about how, you know, a lot of these artists, you know, including myself, you know, like, super active in the BT community themselves, but they really have to play up to the heteronormative lifestyle in order to make a living. Um, yeah. 
So like, you know, especially for me sometimes, you know, if I've, if I've been asked to do like a duo act or, you know, to, to make an act for a show, you know, most of the time it's like, well, I'm going to have, you know, heteronormative people come in and watch this duo act. And the duo act is usually like a girl and a guy portraying the love hate relationship or whatever it might be, or, you know, the romance somehow. And it's like, well, you know, that may not, that may not always be what the two people in the duo are all about, you know? Yeah. But a lot of times that's what you got to do and you make the money. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you a part of the LGBTQ community? I am queer as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, are you, uh, are you bi or what? I am pansexual and I am also poly. And so I've got uh, one of my partners is my boyfriend. One of my partners is my girlfriend. And I've got a couple of other partners who are my uh, thabies. So, you know, they are non-binary or transgender and they prefer to go by they. Um, so yeah, I, I really, for a long time, I was in that like monogamous realm, but I, I always found myself to be like upset or disappointed in my partners because I also was convinced that I was straight. Um, uh, that always sucks. Yeah, it? Always sucks. Always like, sucks. like I, I have so many like gay female friends that relationships went sour because they realized they were gayer than they thought they was. Exactly. Yeah. And I just like, you know, when I started dating, uh, my current primary partner, uh, you know, I was like, look, I'm still like figuring myself out. I'm pretty dang gay. I really want to be able to still explore this. I hope you're cool with it. Let's try this open relationship thing. Let's see how it all works. Cause I mean, for me, you know, it's, there are so many different kinds of love that can be had. So why, why limit yourself to just one? Yeah. And I mean, you, you have a couple of good role models to look up to. I mean, look at, you know, Will and Jada, they've been together for years. Yeah. And I think their marriage is beautiful and they have an open relationship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, there's rules to everything and sometimes rules kind of get, you know, entangled. So, but, you know, I love the fact that they were able to, like, come out and, like, talk about it and say, you know, we ride together, we die together, bad marriage for life, you know? Yeah, yeah, for real. And, like, especially to be, you know, that visible in the world and also showing like, hey, this is a normal way that you you can live with your relationship. I think that's yeah. amazing. And especially for people who are growing up and learning that like, you know, maybe monogamy isn't the isn't the one way, you know? Like there's it's more that- Exactly, because like I don't understand why grown-ups feel the need to lie at age 30. You know, you're both adults, you know, tell each other what you want. If the person wants that, you know, who knows, they might. If not, then just somebody will, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you can go ahead and add me to the truth if you want. You know, you can adopt me too. <laughs> I, I, I love that we've been talking for 28 minutes and I haven't asked you a single question I had planned. I just been freestyling this whole time. 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So to the questions, uh-huh. um, what would you say would be your most embarrassing moment of your career? Oh man. Um, most embarrassing moment. I, I'm not sure. Cause the, there's, this it's been like a very humbling experience. Cause like there's sometimes where you go out on stage and maybe like a piece of clothing doesn't come off the right way. And that totally messes up the rest of your routine. Um, and then, you know, you come off stage and you just gotta be like, well, that didn't go right. And you know, like your, your peers and people who are backstage, you know, they laugh with you about it or they tell you like, oh no, there was this one time I did this thing and it was just totally fucked up. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So this isn't that bad. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I would say like, you know, thinking back on when I was like a baby aerialist or baby burlesque dancer and like just trying to go through and learn you know, like what's right and what's wrong in the, in the biz, mm-hmm. you know, getting asked to do a gig for like 25 bucks and taking it because I really wanted to do it. And, you know, thinking back to it, I'm like, wow, yeah, I shouldn't have been doing that. That's kind of embarrassing, but you know, everybody kind of goes through something like that when they're getting started, you know, and you think of it as like a paid dress rehearsal instead of, I'm a, I'm a big time burlesque dancer. You know, you, you just think of it as like, well, this is just stage experience, you know, like if you've got like a new act that needs some time on stage to see what works and what doesn't work, then you, you kind of can take those opportunities, especially when you're getting started just to be like, fuck it. Why not? Let's just try it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like everybody in our industry has embarrassing moments, but I think you get just one. You know, some people, they have others, but for the most part, once that moment is over, it's over. Like, I've had one, and I've never had any ever since. I'm just like, thank God I got mine over early. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Now, what would you say would be your greatest moment of your career? Hmm. Greatest moment of my career. So far. So far. I don't know. I feel like it's tied between between two or three things. So I think performing at the Burlesque Hall of Fame, uh, both with Tifa doing the Willy Wonka act that I mentioned. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. And I mean, I performed there solo uh, in 2019. So that was really fun. Um I'm going to, I'm going to bundle those things into one. Cause it's the same. You perform at the same place. Uh, mm-hmm. Going to Ireland for the creative intensive last December. I'll say that was one. And then I, I'm going to say that moment I finished my taxes and suddenly realized that I hadn't had a real life tax paying job in a whole year that that was the moment where I figured out like, Oh, I guess I made it. <laughs> I guess I'm doing, yeah. I guess I'm doing this full time now. <laughs> it's empowering, isn't it? It really is. It was, it was empowering. And it was also, you know, nice to see that like I had saved up all of my deductions, uh, you know, any receipt that I had used for gas, travel, 
Airbnb or hotel or glitter, you know, I, I had saved all those up and I didn't owe money. And I was very surprised at that. Yeah. Plus I have like, I have good mentors that, you know, keep me in line. Like I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about getting a job and then I realized that I have a magic potion that makes people hair grow. So I've actually just gave out all my samples. I have like 100 orders right now and I'm selling it for like $10 a bottle because it's really, really good. And so, you know, that really saved my ass. I was like, thank God for women with short hair. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Yeah. What are your top three favorite movies of all time? Movies? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. See, this is a hard one because I like whenever I I'm finished college uh and moved back home, like I moved home and lived with my parents for a little bit, but pretty much as soon as I was living on my own, I, I didn't I didn't have enough money to afford a TV or cable. So I just didn't have those things for probably like six years, seven years. Um, Not even going to the movies. Yeah. I, I never would go to the movies because whenever my friends wanted to go to the movies, it was when I was working like in the weeknights when I was teaching classes or on the weekends when I was getting ready for shows. Um, so there there would be some times where I would like sit, you know, I would go visit my parents and I would like put on a movie at their place just because, you know, they had the TV. Um, but I really enjoy uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, uh, yeah, classic. Yeah, that one is such a classic. And that one is like, you know, even nowadays I'll put that one on. And while it's like great to watch it's also really great for background noise when i'm making costumes because literally i can look up at the tv and just almost every scene in that movie is just a perfect picture it's perfect painting so i'm like constantly inspired by that movie yeah um i feel like i have to say for a silly one uh scott pilgrim versus the world (laughs) yeah that one's just so good and for me whenever i saw that one it's like that was when i thought the like internet and meme age was infiltrating the movie industry i was like cool they've got that like fast witty uh comebacks and you know just the all these like little details that are just you know very symbolic of like the internet and meme age yeah um, and then the third one, I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> the third one is always the hardest, by the way. I know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about it. Can we come back to the third one? Yeah, we can. Okay. Um, top three artists of all time. Just like music artists or any artist or. Uh, music. Music. Okay. Toro y moi. Um, mm-hmm. I love Chaz Bundick. Like he is all all of his music just throughout the years uh, have they? It's been in my car while I've been driving. It's been in my headphones while I'm working out. 
it's been uh, inspiration for me to create and it's you know it's, I, I I try to go through and dissect a lot of his music and I finally made an act to his song while I was in Ireland for that creative intensive in December um so I, I really really do love Toro Ma. I love what he's done musically and almost every one of his songs is like an instant hit to nostalgia you know it just gets gets you really kind of deep in some feelings or sometimes he's even got some songs that are just like oh wow this makes me feel really happy and other times his songs are like wow this makes me really think deep <laughs> mm-hmm. um let's see i really love calm trues uh he is an electronic artist and I've really always kind of been a fan of the spacey retro wave synth wave industrial yeah. style musics and he he has a really good way of putting all those things together it's really synthy it's really industrial at the same time and it's like it's so crazy how he can make he can make you feel so many things just through a song that's made up completely of, you know, coordinating and pressing buttons and like, just, it's so cool. I, I love his stuff. Um, I have yet to make an act to his songs, but someday I, I hope to, um, you know, it's definitely one of those things where like, he's got, he's got this one song that just makes me feel so many things. And I really hope I do that song justice when I then create to it in the future. Yeah, bucket list right there. Who are your three dancers of all time? I'm sorry, say that one more time. You broke out. Who's your top three dancers of all time? Favorite dancers? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's see. So as of right now, like... It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go all over the place with this. So I really enjoy right now Kid of the Great on Instagram. He's so mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, just amazing choreography and isolations and just blows my mind literally every time. Like I've gotten stuck on his page for hours beforehand, before just looking at all the videos and being like, oh my God, I could just watch these loop all day. Um, let's see. As far as my favorite style of dancing being the, the release technique, modern, um, Shen Wei, who, uh, was the, the pioneer of that. Um, and he started a company that was, you know, with a lot of the release technique, modern, um, I forget what year it was, but they did the opening for the Olympics. So his mm-hmm. work is, is known whether or not people really know it. Um, but yeah, he, he's just got an incredible quality of movement and um, his style of his choreography and style of art is just really beautiful. Um, And then, let's see. 
this is another one. It's, this is more of a group. Um, it's Palabolus Dance Theater. Mm-hmm. And they are, they to me, personally, they're like my end game. Uh, I over like over Cirque du Soleil, which is a lot of, you know, aerialist dreams to perform or work with is Cirque du Soleil. I would much rather work with Palabolus and they are a ground-based dance company, but they've truly been breaking what like you would, you would think about dance normally. So they, they've been trying to break that mold and um, you know, even through college, I looked up to them and they came and taught a couple of workshops at the college I was at and they, it really blew my mind just the way that they approach movement and a lot of their dancers don't come from dance backgrounds. A lot of their dancers don't get into movement until their thirties or forties. Um, and sometimes they come from like martial arts or, uh, you know, just something that is not a dance base. So like, it's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is your number one favorite dance teacher? Favorite dance teacher. Oh man. Um, let's see. Michelle Gibson. Um, she she actually lives in Dallas, and she works at a college here. I think I, I forget. I'm still not totally keen on all the dance happenings that happen here in Dallas. But um, Michelle Gibson was at the American Dance Festival, which is that festival I talked about going to in college, and she just has such a way of teaching you and like lifting you up and really making you feel connected to everybody in the room. And that's truly a, such a great quality to have as a dance teacher. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dance teacher or like, there's a lot of assumptions that dance teachers are like kind of, you know, punishing or harsh and that's not always true. I've had a really wonderful bunch of dance, dance teachers growing up with a couple of the, the harsh, harsh ones mixed in there. But that's when you, you get to know, like, I know what I'm looking for. I know who I want to work with. I know the attitudes I want to work with. And Michelle would just, she was on top of it, all of it. Exactly. You got your third uh, movie yet? No. <laughs> um Let's see. I'm going to try to rack my brain on what movie it would be. Hmm. Because right now, it's like I, I do have a TV. I moved in with my partner, Jaime. I, and we have it. I, I like to joke that I moved in with him because he has a TV. Uh, he came <laughs> with a TV. Uh, but. I've been watching a lot of like the competition shows, so I just finished binge watching Dragula, and that's mm-hmm. that's been really fun. I love I love all the scary drag queens; they're my favorite. Um, yeah, have you seen RuPaul's Drag yes. Race? <laughs> it's funny because my friend uh, he he had uh, he moved in with me, and he was having a drag party. And so it was like me and a, a bunch of queens. <laughs> and they're serious about the TV show, and I had never seen it. So I checked it out, and I didn't think I was going to get invested. But I got, you know, I got invested. I feel like they're my sister. Yeah, of know? course. Yeah, like you really do. It's like suddenly you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then you're like, oh, no, wait, I have to see this episode. 
Yeah. And and, and I love who, who won this season. I uh I for, I forget, but I, I still think uh Gigi Good should uh you know, I, I, I was team Gigi all the way. But I like the girl who won. I feel like she was my second choice. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. Okay, I think I have an idea on this on this movie now. So I I just saw this movie this year, and I'm actually not a huge uh, horror film person. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really love this like cult classic called Murder Party. Oh, I've never heard of it. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, it is about this guy who finds a Halloween party invitation just on the street of New York and he opens it up and it says like meet us here at this time it's a Halloween party and so he and this is like a, he goes inside and makes a uh, armor a soldier outfit out of cardboard and like makes a loaf of bread and then goes out to find this party and he finds it and turns out it's a plot to kidnap someone because they're art students and they're trying to murder someone for art. And so mm-hmm. then it just, there's a lot of like mayhem that goes on from there. And it's, it's all kind of like, you know, poor timing and like someone dies because of an accident. And like, it's, it's kind of funny. The, the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of uh, Tucker and Dale uh, versus Evil. These group of kids thought they go to this like abandoned cabin in the woods, and there's these, you know, two hillbillies, and they're just sweet as can be. But due to circumstances, they look like murderers. Like one guy was actually running from them, and he at- wasn't looking where he was going. And he was gonna jump one of them, and he accidentally jumped in the wood chipper. And the dude was trying to pull him out, but to his friends, it looked like they were trying to like push him in. And it's uh, I, I like to call it a horror comedy, but a circumstance horror because due to circumstances, they looked like monsters, and they weren't. They were just kitty cats. So it was hilarious. Um, the guy that played on the fighting. Uh, was it the Fighting Temptations? Yeah, with Denzel, the guy that played the football player on the Fighting Temptations, and he also played in Without a Paddle. He was one of the uh, okay. hillbillies. Yeah, that that's funny. Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that because now yeah. you know now it's it's October, so you know. Time is right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad, you know, you gave me your time. I know it's important to you. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. This was really nice. Thank you. No problem. And have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too.